Good morning. One of the ministry teams in the church is the group called the Mentoring Elders, and uh, that's part of their job description is to promote the whole mentoring aspect within the church. And uh, what we'd really like to promote is that we be a culture of mentoring in the church, that it's just part of who we are, part of our DNA. And so we want to talk a bit about that for the next couple Sundays here. But before we do that, let's bow in prayer. Father, I thank you for just the process to growth that you've uh, created for us, and that is for us to mentor each other. And I pray that as we go through this, that you would just speak to our hearts and uh, be putting it into our hearts who we'd like to have mentor us, who we could mentor, who we could come alongside. Pray that it could be just a part of who we are, the culture of this church, and I thank you for just how I see it already happening so much. And uh, we give you the thanks for that. So we ask that you would just speak to us each individually this morning as we just consider this topic. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you come out of town to the little farming area there, Avon Glen, uh, to the farm where my grandfather homesteaded, you'll see the fingerprints that he left there. No, not actual fingerprints, but the things that he built and he left behind. The house he built there is still there. My brother lives in it. Uh, the little garage that he built is still there, but that's all. Everything else that he has built is gone, being replaced. Now, if you go out to my grandpa Eel's farm, you'll find nothing. It's only the land that has been farmed there now. The buildings, everything is gone. And so for both of them, for both of my grandfathers, what they built, what they had, and what they left behind is disappearing. But thankfully, that's not all that they left behind. They left behind something that is far more important and far more enduring. And that's the fingerprints that they left on lives, on many lives. On the life of my father, who left his fingerprints on my life. On the life of my mother, who left her fingerprints on my life. And the fingerprints that they left continue on generation after generation. And so the farm that my grandpa Ford built is disappearing. And one by one, those buildings have been replaced, and it's a picture of life what we build in life. Our houses will disappear. All of our possessions that we work so hard for are all going to fade and disappear, rust away. But it's what we leave in the hearts and minds, how we impact lives. That leaves a fingerprint way beyond what we'll ever know. And so we all leave an impact on others, and we have no idea of the impact that goes on for generations later. Intentionally or unintentionally, we're all mentoring other people, either for good or for bad. But we're doing it. We teach by how we live and by what we say, by what we achieve and who we are. We leave behind lessons and memories and feelings 
and those go on from generation to generation, they live on. We impact not just the next generation, but we impact those that they touch. And so we all make a difference as we pass through this page of history, and we have no idea how long our impact will last. In the Bible, Mordecai, as he took his orphan cousin, Esther, into his care, and he mentored her, he had no idea that his mentoring of Esther would still be impacting people today, thousands of years later. His influence helped her to become a woman of courage and of wisdom. She became a woman who was willing to risk her life to save her people and to destroy their enemies. And that impact is still going on today. Back in the 1800s, a Sunday school teacher touched the life of a teenager and mentored him. And he in turn touched other lives and you can follow the chain all the way down to Billy Graham who perhaps was the greatest evangelist this world has ever seen. Shared the gospel with more people probably than anyone has ever shared the gospel with and impacted world leaders. None of us is an island unto himself. None of us is an isolated bubble in a blip of time. All of us are the product of the influence of those who have gone before us, the influence of those around us, and we will influence those who follow us. So this morning I want you to think of the difference you can make for the future, the difference that you will make, good or bad. What if you were to come alongside someone and mentor that person? To encourage, to build that person up, perhaps teach from your own life, even disciple that person. God wants to use the grace that he's given you. He wants you to use your ordinary and extraordinary moments. He wants you to use your victories and your defeats to fulfill a greater purpose. To leave your fingerprints on another person's life. And so whether we want to or not, we are leaving fingerprints on other people's lives. And so the question is, what kind of fingerprints are we leaving? Because intentionally or unintentionally, we are mentoring each other, for good or for bad. We teach by how we live and by what we say, by what we achieve and who we are. We leave behind lessons, memories, and feelings, and those things from generation to generation, they live on. And so we all make a difference as we pass through this page of history. So again, our houses will disappear, our possessions will fade and rust, but what we leave in the hearts and minds will impact more lives than we ever know. And we have no idea the impact we're making on those around us right now and the generations to come. Each life we touch touches another life, and that touches another life, and on it goes. And so, mentoring. You know, that's a word that just scares so many people. The moment you say the word, well, we'd like you to mentor someone, it right away terrifies them. No way, I can't do that. Yet it's God's way. It's God's path to growth. And you're already doing it. And so this morning, I want to demystify mentoring a bit here. 
Because I see so many of you that would say, well, that scares me. You're already doing it. So let's define mentoring. Let's keep it very simple here. Mentoring is simply being aware, being conscious of how you're impacting another person's life. Mentoring is taking that awareness and intentionally using it for good in the other person's life. Mentoring is willing to use the grace that God has shown you, the life lessons that God has taught you, the experiences that you've gone through, good and bad, but to use them to help someone else. Mentoring is willing to use the resources that God has given you to impact other people's lives around you. Mentoring is happening, even when you're not conscious of it. Many years ago, Esther and I were at a funeral. And afterwards, I was catching up with some of the people that I hadn't seen for years. And I noticed this woman. I didn't know who she was, but she was hanging around the group of men there. And then suddenly she was gone. And I found out afterwards she had seen Esther and she had headed towards her. Afterwards, Esther told me what it was about. And I went all the way back to the first church that we'd pastored in many years before that. And in that church, we led the youth group. And just before we left the community, a girl showed up at the youth group the one night. And uh, I'd never met her before that evening. And during the Bible study, she'd been sitting quietly, not participating, but suddenly she asked a question. And then she followed her question up with, you don't need to answer that. It's just a dumb question. Now, I don't remember that incident. But the mom said that I had answered her daughter, no, it's a good question, and I would like to answer it. What I didn't know was that she was being bullied in school. She had a very low self-image. She was struggling a lot. Even her teachers were putting her down. She was at a very low point in her life when she came to the youth group. And that night, when I simply valued her question, suddenly she felt valued. And it was a new feeling for her. And a change happened. Hope entered. She paid attention to what was being taught. We left the community. But what happened that night continued on. And the girl became a Christian, and she began to witness to her parents. Her dad rejected it, but her mom accepted the Lord. And the mom said, both of our lives have been changed forever. And ever since, they've been trying to track us down just to say thank you, because they traced their salvation back to a simple answer that I'd given that had valued the girl. And I had no idea that I was making that impact that night. I had no idea of the fingerprint that I was leaving, not just on her, but also on the ones that she would leave a fingerprint on. You know, sometimes mentoring is like that. You're doing it, you don't even realize you're doing it. Sometimes mentoring is more formal. Years ago, I was mentoring a young man as a pastor at the time, he was engaged to be married, and one day he and his fiance came to Esther and I and said, you know, before we get married, can one of us move in with you for a while? And then afterwards, the other one will move in with you for a while? And uh, 
the reason they wanted to do that was that they wanted to experience a Christian home, a Christian family, a Christian marriage. Neither of their parents knew the Lord. Both families were divorced, separated, and said, you know, we've never experienced either one of us a family that loves each other and is following God. Can we just come into your family and live with you and just watch? And so there I was formally mentoring him as a pastor and we're informally mentoring them, just simply letting them observe us. So often mentoring over the years is simply meeting with people over coffee, talking about life, talking about whatever, but then answering the questions as they have questions about life. So often mentoring is simply being centered around friendship, getting together, doing things together, having good times together. Sometimes mentoring is being teaching another a life skill. And it can be fun things. There's been so many men and their sons that I've taken back into the bush for a week at a time who had never camped out in the bush, never hunted, didn't know how to call a moose, didn't know how to butcher a moose. And just, hey guys, I'd like to take and teach you because you want to learn. Or it can be more formal. In high level, a number of years ago, I took several men and I taught them how to preach. I did, didn't just teach them the how-to, I walked alongside them and we had them preaching in church and practicing it and we empowered them to preach in church. Today, that church has been almost two years without a pastor. And the men are preaching and carrying on. Sometimes mentoring is simply you coming alongside someone that, that needs encouragement and you encourage them. Sometimes it's dipping into your resources. What you have and own. And you use that to bless and impact someone. It may be as simple as sending someone a card to encourage them and to bless them. It may be taking a gift card to a young couple. And saying, you know, if you'd like me to babysit your children, here's a gift card to Boston Pizza or whatever. But I would like to give you a night out. You know, for so many people, gift giving, a little gift can go a long ways in encouraging them. In one church that we were there, and when we went there, things were tough. There was power struggles. The church was ready in many ways. We found out afterwards we were ready to about to split. And so we were having to deal with all those relationship struggles, and um, it was hard. And it was a lot of stress. And we were struggling. And suddenly one day, one of the older men in the church walked into the church with a rifle in his hands, put the rifle into my hands and said, happy birthday, Don. I just want to bless you today. I think I'm the only pastor in all Canada that's <laughs> had a gun given to him in church. Um, but then he went on to tell me, he said, 
how bad things had been and how he was seeing the shift happening and the changes happening. And relationships were being reconciled. And how encouraged he was. And he says, I just want to encourage you today. You know, for years afterwards, that man was always coming back and encouraging me in one way or another. That's mentoring. Now, why do I tell you these stories from my life? Because I want to show you that mentoring takes so many different forms. So why is mentoring so important? It's because mentoring is one of the major pathways to growth. God intended it to be a major pathway to growth. Typically, if someone comes to know Jesus, well, we like to have them come to church because we think that there they're going to get taught and uh, they're going to grow as they get taught and uh, maybe we get involved in serving somehow and so on. We think they're going to grow there too. And those are good. Those are important. But that process is missing a very vital part and that is mentoring through relationships. Many people go to churches and they really don't have relationships. And growth is meant to happen in the context of relationship. There's been a lot of studies about youth uh, in the States of why so many leave home, or when they leave home, they leave church. And in the States, it's estimated that about 70% of youth that leave, once they leave home, they're also going to leave the church. And so there's a lot of surveys, studies, uh, why are these youths leaving? Well, there was a Canadian group that decided, well, let's flip this around and let's ask, find out why those who stay, why they stay. Maybe that's a better way to approach it. And so for those that are leaving the church, uh, the ones who studied why they're leaving, about 11% would say, well, when I left the church, I didn't have faith at all, or I lost my faith, and so they just left. 40% of them leave the church, but they still see themselves as a follower of Jesus. 20% leave the church because they feel frustrated about the church culture and what they feel is the disconnect from society. And then you have about 30% that stay in the church. But the Canadian group that... If approached it from the other side of why do those 30% stay, here's the answer that they came up with. They stayed if they had grown up experiencing one significant relationship with an adult who had a vital faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Could be a parent. It could be someone else. Often it was someone else in the church. One adult who took an interest in the teenager and who modeled a genuine faith. A few years ago, one of our daughters said, you know, I would have been the child that would have walked away. When I left home, I would have been the child who walked away from God. She said, that was just in me. It was in my personality. Somehow it was there. But she said, I couldn't do it because in your faith, I couldn't explain the reality of it. And so I couldn't walk away. And that's what the teenagers are looking for. They're looking for even just one person. They can't explain away the reality of their faith. And it keeps them there. 
You see, people need to be introduced to a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ by experiencing a relationship with someone who's in a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. In other words, if you're following Jesus, bring someone else along. That's how God wants it to work. Mentoring is his plan. The Bible is just full of examples from beginning to the end. We don't even begin to get to talk about them all. Jonathan, prince of Israel, a mighty warrior and a general in the army, he saw a teenage boy called David kill a Goliath. At, the time, at that time, Jonathan was likely in his later 20s, David in his later teens. But Jonathan saw the potential in David, and he sought him out, and he mentored him. And David went on to become one of Israel's greatest kings. Jethro comes to visit his son-in-law, Moses. And Moses has got perhaps a million, million and a half people he's following, and he's the only judge. And so everybody was bringing all their cases to Moses to judge. And it says from early morning to late, he was sitting all day judging these cases. And people were getting frustrated because they just couldn't get to see him. And Jethro watched that and he gave advice how you could do it so much better. And he basically says, Moses, what you're doing isn't good. Here's how you can do it. Moses, in turn, mentored a young man named Joshua who would go on to lead the nation of Israel after Moses died. Deborah, the prophetess, mentored Barak. Barak was the general of Israel's armies. But basically, he comes to her and he says, I can't do this unless you walk beside me. I need you to mentor me. Elijah reached a point in his life where he was so discouraged, so depressed, that he just cried out to God. He says, take me to heaven. I want to die. And God says, uh-uh. I got a job for you to do. Here's a young man, Elisha. And you're going to mentor him. Eventually, God did take him to heaven. But not until he had mentored Elisha. Saul, before he became Paul, was persecuting the church, killing some of them, throwing others out of their homes and communities, throwing others into prison, having some whipped. And then he's on the road to Damascus, and he's going to persecute the Christians there. And uh, Jesus stops him with, uh, and blinds him and speaks to him. And uh, through that experience, he became a believer. But nobody wanted anything to do with him because they were afraid of him. Here's the guy that's been killing them and whipping them and throwing them out of their homes. And now he says he's a Christian. And Barnabas took the risk. And he mentored Paul. He sponsored Paul to the church and he told them, yeah, hey, I've got to know this guy a bit. You can trust him. God has saved him. He has changed. And then he took him on a missionary journey and mentored him. You know, the fingerprints that Barnabas left on Paul's life are impacting you today. Every time you go read the New Testament, much of that was written by Paul. You're seeing the fingerprints of Barnabas when you read Paul. You know, God is still in the mentoring business today. 
When I first began as a pastor, I was sent to a troubled church and uh, the church was at war with itself. There was two factions fighting each other. Uh, the rest of the people, they knew that the church was being destroyed, but they weren't sure what was going on. And uh, within a couple months there, each was trying to use me to kick out the other side, which I wouldn't do. And as a young pastor, beginning pastor, I had no clue what to do. I needed to be mentored. I knew it. So I called up with the group, uh, where we were the larger group that we were a part of, the leader of the organization. I explained what was going on, and I said to him, you know, I need to be mentored. And he listened to me through the whole time, and he said, yes, Don, I understand, and he hung up on me. So much for mentoring. But God heard. And in our next church at Kelowna, Dr. Affleck, who is one of the founders of the Okanagan Bible College, he attended that church. And soon after we came there, he came to me and he said, Don, he said, I'd like to mentor you. Would you be willing? Could we meet every Saturday morning for breakfast? And I'd like to just put my life into your life. And so every Saturday mornings we would meet. He would, uh, typically this is how he would start. He would say, Don, I enjoyed your message on Sunday. And then he would point out some positive things. And then he would uh, just go into ways, things maybe I missed, passages I could have used. He would take me much deeper than I'd taken it. He'd point out a way that I could get it across in a different way. And then from that conversation, we would just, he would bring out things about life and ministry and so on. At the same time, I had an uncle and aunt who were retired and living in Vernon. <coughs> and uh, he was, came out of retirement to uh, pastor a church while they were looking for a pastor. And so every week he was a lot of time in Kelowna. And so he also said, I'd like to mentor you. And his was so much, it was so different. It was just more on the practical things of life. But you know, from those two men, I learned so much. Both those mentors did more than just teach me or answer my questions. They saw the potential and they encouraged me and they tried to draw out the potential. And today their fingerprints still impact my life. Very simply, they were following Jesus and they brought me along with them. Second Timothy, Paul talking to Timothy says, the things you've heard me say in the presence, presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. So Timothy, I've mentored you, now you choose men and you mentor them. Titus, another younger pastor, he tells uh, Titus, he said, teach the older uh, men, teach the older women so that they can train the younger. Encourage them. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. Same process. Titus, I've taught you. Now you teach the others and mentor them and be the example for them. First Thessalonians, Paul refers to himself. He said, I've been like a mother to you. I've been like a father to you. In that I was an example for you to follow, I encouraged you always, I comforted you, and I urged you on to live lives that were worthy of God. 
And so the whole time I was with you, I was a mentor like a mother or a father is to a child. 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, follow my example as I follow Christ. I am following Christ and I'd like to bring you along with me. Learn from what I learn. Learn from my mistakes. Learn how I, whatever it is. Because I, in all of it, I'm following Christ. 1 Corinthians 4, Paul says to the Corinthian church, he says, I urge you to imitate me for this reason I'm sending to you Timothy, my son. He will remind you of all the things they need to be reminded of. So what's he doing? He's saying, I mentored Timothy. Now, I'm sending Timothy to mentor you because Timothy is doing what I do. And if you follow Timothy, you're going to be doing what I do. And what do I do? I follow Christ. Goes all the way back to Christ. And so more than once in scripture, Paul uses that father or mother image to describe mentoring. Because how do children learn? It's amazing in that first year of life how much a child learns and where do they learn it from? Mom and dad, especially mom. Simply by watching, observing. You know, when I was a child, there used to be that term, monkey see, monkey do. Really, it was a negative term because it was kind of, well, so-and-so did something stupid. Why did you have to do it? You don't need to be like a monkey. One monkey does it, and the other one just observes it and does it too. And, uh, but you know, that's really what mentoring is. Just be careful who you choose, that you're actually following the right things. You go into the world, so many of the trades are based on an apprenticeship model. What is the apprenticeship model? Mentoring. That's what it's about. And so this is God's method for growth. So as we come wrap this up this morning, there are three types of people that I wish that all of you had in your life. I'd love to see all of you have these three. Maybe you aren't ready for all of them, but at least some of them. First of all, I wish you had someone to follow. Where you could say, I'm going to follow you because you're following Jesus. I'm going to observe and learn from you how you do your life, how you, from your successes, from your mistakes. I can learn from it all. You're further along in your walk with God than I am. And I can learn from you. The second is someone to walk beside. I'm going to walk beside you because you're my peer. I have something to offer you, and you have something to offer me. We can learn from each other. We can encourage each other, and we can build each other up. And the third person is someone to lead. I'm going to walk alongside you because I see the potential in you. Perhaps I'm older than you. Not necessarily. <coughs> but I am further along in my relationship with God. And I have something to offer you. I'm willing to share my life with you so that you can learn from me as I follow Jesus. Three types of people. Each requires a willingness to have a relationship with someone and they with you. 
where you allow God to use your learning, your life experiences, even your mistakes in life, to help someone else. And they're willing to learn from you on that. So intentionally or unintentionally, we are mentoring each other, either for good or for bad. We're teaching each other by how we live and what we say, by what we achieve and who we are. All of us are leaving behind lessons, memories, and feelings from generation to generation they live on. We all make a difference as we pass through this page of history. So again, our houses will disappear, our possessions will disappear, but what we leave in the hearts and minds will impact more lives than we realize. And that impact will live on forever, for eternity. None of us is an island unto himself. None of us is an isolated bubble, a blip in time. We are the product of the influence of those who've gone before us, the influence of those around us, and we will influence those who follow us. So this morning, as we introduce this topic of mentoring, I want you this week to simply think about the difference that you can make for the future. What if you were to come alongside someone to encourage, to dis teach, to disciple? What if you were willing to use your mistakes and your victories, your struggles and your successes, your ordinary moments and your extraordinary moments, everything that has made you who you are, what if you're willing to use that for a greater purpose? To impact someone. And what if you were willing to go to someone and say, I'd like you to mentor me. I'd like to learn from you and what you've learned in life. Pray about it. Think about it this week. And we're going to carry on from here next week.